Mac Power Users, Episode 104, iOS 6. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie. And uh, we called an Audible just a couple of hours ago. I guess you called the Audible. Yes, we had another show all planned, and uh, you know, I just got caught up in iOS 6 launch day excitement. And I, uh, I was going to do a long post on it at Max Barkey, and I thought, you know, this would be a good thing for a show. Let's talk about how you can put iOS 6 to work for you. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because we, we just this weekend did a, a list of you know, shows that we want to cover for Mac Power users later this year and into next year, and iOS 6 was definitely on the list. I just didn't quite expect we'd be getting to it this soon. But I must admit, I, I, I was quite caught up in, in iOS 6. And, and the day that we're recording the show is Wednesday, September 19th. It'll be out a, a few days later. Uh, but it is iOS launch day, so I guess I'll ask you, how did the upgrade go for you? Because I've got some stories to tell. The upgrade went for me went great. Yeah, yeah, I did it like three months ago. Oh, okay, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a member of the developers, right? Uh, now for the books I've written and stuff, I've been getting early access, and uh, so this time I went ahead and and downloaded it onto my carry phone. Actually, uh-huh. pretty er, pretty early in the process. And there really wasn't a good reason for it, except I wanted all the the fun stuff. Uh, there's a couple features we're going to go through them that you know made it worth it. And as soon as I saw that they were stable enough, I went ahead and jumped in, and I had no problems. And la- you, la- you were able to get the Golden Master uh, the day of the iPhone five announcement, right? Yeah, and and last year I had because um, last year I was writing the iPad at work book while we were in the middle of the iOS five beta, and it was. I mean, it, I guess no fault to Apple. It was a beta, right? But sure. it had a, it had a lot of complications, and it it was very challenging. Whereas this beta seemed to me like it was just golden. I mean, I I, I guess that's the wrong word, right? Because golden has a, its own connotation. But it was great. It, I never really had any problems with it. Do you think that was maybe because you jumped into iOS five beta earlier because you had to as a result of the book, or and maybe you were, you personally were a little more conservative about when you installed iOS six beta? Or, or you think it actually has to do with the development in iOS six earlier on was just a more stable build than iOS five? I think it's both because I think the iOS five problems hung on pretty far, but I definitely came in later with this one than I did with the last one. Well, I had some issues with the upgrade. I, I did the upgrade. I have a an iPhone 4, and I have an iPad 3. And I was at work this afternoon, so I I did my backups and all this morning. I backed up to my computer. I backed up to the iCloud. And, you know, typically these things happen around 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. So I was waiting, 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 waiting. And finally my iPhone showed that the, the update was available. And although we've had over-the-air updates for a while with iOS 5, this was the first time, and I was a little bit nervous, for a major update over the air. And I, I guess I didn't realize how big it was because everything seemed to be going along swimmingly. And it said, okay, you've got about five minutes remaining on your update. And it stayed there for like 45 minutes or so. And then this guy calls me like in the middle of my update, because I mean, you would think that he would know that at at, at 1.15, I'm going to be updating my iOS, you know, my iPhone. Do you what remember who jerk. that was who called me? Oh, I, I don't, don't even know. remember. Whoever I blocked was, it out of my mind. I don't know. Whoever he was, he's a total jerk, I'm sure. I know. And of course, the first words out of my mouth were when I answered the phone was, I hope this doesn't interrupt my update. 
So I was not a very nice person on the phone to him, I'm sure. So I apologize. But um, I, and I don't think it did. But for whatever reason, the update just stalled. And then it jumped to like, I ended up resetting my phone and then it jumped to like two hours remaining. And then it finally got down to 45 minutes and it stayed there for about two hours. So finally, just at the end of the day, I came home and ended up plugging it in and, and it worked fine plugged in. I'm pretty sure that's my fault because the um, I, I released an update for my you know gigabyte size book and everybody's downloading it and that probably brought the Apple servers to a grinding halt. That that must be it. And yeah. then on my iPad, I I did that over the air and I I really think that would have been okay except it just so happened that when I was booting up after the original update, it happened to be in that thirty minute window or so that Apple's server was down and you couldn't access any Wi-Fi network. So something weird was going on there, and I couldn't connect to my Wi-Fi network, but that seemed to resolve itself when, when Apple's server came back up. Can you just imagine the guys manning those server farms on days like this, you know, when they're pushing out a big update to, you know, millions and millions of phones at once? You remember when they used to do it? Gosh, what was that? Was that was that the iPhone 3G where they did that, they did iOS 2, and they did the App Store, and they did Mobile Me all on the same day? Yeah, they, they've learned since then. But yeah. I, I've just got this image, you know, like these guys in this room and gals and, like, boxes of pizza and maybe some tequila. I, I don't know. They, they would have this room, like, fully stocked, and they'd walk in there, and then someone on the outside would lock the door. <laughs> You cannot right? come out. And and they'd say, we'll see you guys in like three days. So just don't worry about it. Just keep everything working. Yeah. And one of them, in my mind, one of them has a Scottish accent. Because he's the guy up in the Jeffrey's tube with the big old wrench making right. it work. Yes. Right. So anyway, you got through it. You got it installed. I got and, through it. I got it installed. And I must say. And you've say, been playing with it. Yes, I have a new friend here. Okay, and who's that? Her name is Siri. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is interesting. So Katie is finally getting to use Siri because you didn't upgrade your phone. I did not. I did And not. they didn't put it on the uh, iPad until today. So right. what do you think of Siri? Well, firstly, I must say that I'm a little bit, I was going to say in love with Siri, but that's probably not true. I'm, I'm probably at this point infatuated with Siri, and yeah. I'm sure I'll get over that. Um. I, I like Siri. I, I think, although I'm not going to use her nearly... See, look, I'm calling it her. I'm not going to use Siri as much on my iPad as I will on my iPhone, just because it's not as practical to use Siri as much on a device like an iPad as it is to an iPhone. But I think that I personally am going to use Siri all the time as soon as I get my new iPhone 5. And I haven't had any problems with Siri. And now I know that... I am now getting Siri a year after everybody else gets Siri, so hopefully some of those growing pains are gone. But she seems to understand, she again, I've got to stop doing that. It seems to understand me very well and uh, understand what I want to do. And, and I guess we'll talk more about some of the technical issues and the limitations of Siri, you know, a little bit later when we when we get into the features. But all I have to say is, thank goodness nobody around me had an iPhone 4S when they came out because... Had I been able to get my hands on one and play with Siri for more than a few minutes, I would not have been able to resist upgrading to the iPhone 4S, and that totally would have messed up my whole upgrade cycle. You know, it's interesting. Siri gets kind of a bum rap, I think. When it first came out, it was great, and it was fun to ask how to bury the dead body. Oh, I haven't and, asked her that yet. And then 
you know, there was some issues with the servers and definitely there was a period where it was difficult. Like it almost seemed like during certain hours of the day, it just didn't work consistently. Right. And, and I think a lot of people just kind of left it there and it's popular to make fun of it, but I really like Siri and I use it all the time. I mean, all the time. I, when I'm driving, I use it, which I'm not sure if that's really right, but I do. You know, I've got a little Bluetooth headset that I use only when I drive. I, I can't stand these guys that walk around with these Bluetooths in their ear all the time. But I have to admit, when you're driving, because I have an older uh, car stereo and it doesn't sync up Bluetooth with my phone, it's really convenient. And uh, the one I have is the um, is the Jawbone. And you just push the button and Siri comes right on. You can say, what's my schedule today? When I was just driving home tonight to get on the uh, the microphone with you, I, I texted you saying, hey, I'm stuck in traffic. I'm going to be 15 minutes late. That's just a Siri command. Yeah, I noticed that because it spelled Mike, M-I-K-E. Yeah, I know. But, but that's okay. I got what you yeah. were saying. And I actually and, responded back with Siri. So did she read you back my message? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, good. That's great. So uh, do you want to talk about Siri right now since we're here? We uh, might we as can, well. We can talk about Siri. That's yeah. fine. So anyway, so but my point being that there was a period where it wasn't consistent, and it seems to me like they've really made a lot of improvement with it because, like I said, I use it all the time. I use it for the dictation to the phone. I also use it for the Siri functions. I set appointments with it. I send text messages with it. And there's a lot of new features you can do with iOS 6. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, uh, for instance, uh, app launching. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, open... You know, your favorite app. Like, I think I'm going to use this quite a bit. You've got me since our, our $5 on iOS. I've been using drafts quite a bit. Yeah. And I, I can see myself, that can be all voice. Open drafts and then start dictating into drafts. Yep. Or if you're driving down the road and you've got a good book on tape, open Audible. That's mm. one I do all the time. And then it just li- picks up where the, the last book I was playing. Right. Well, actually, I actually have to push. I have to push the play button, but other than that, it it makes it really simple to get into it. Right. The sports feature is going to be interesting for me. I I am not a sports fan, but I do like to know just enough, depending on where I'm going, so that I can mention something about it. Like, did my hometown team win this weekend? So I asked Siri. I said, uh, you know, did did you know the Gators win? Yes, the Gators won. Oh, good. There we go. So. Yeah, it's funny. I I used to love uh, sports. You know, grew up a uh, rabid uh, Red Sox fan because my family's from Massachusetts, and I watched football for several years. And I realized recently that I am just no longer a sports guy at all. I have no clue what's going on in any sports. I just don't have time anymore. Right. So that that feature doesn't do much for me. Uh, the uh, you can send a tweet with it now. That's pretty cool. Have you tried that yet? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. I was trying a bunch of things. I think I probably have sent a tweet with it. And one of the things that I found, though, is that it seems to now have, and you can also, going on that, you can check out movie reviews and restaurants. But I found that based on the complaints I've heard from people, the syntax with Siri seems to be better, if that's the right word. Or I guess maybe you don't have to be as specific with the syntax that you use in order for Siri to get the the idea of what you're trying to say. Yeah, it's an unusual pr- Apple product in that way because usually an Apple product has a definitive update to it, like th- the iWork apps. I mean, the iWork apps are going to be at a certain level, and then one day you're going to get downloads, and it's going to be at a different level. 
and there's nothing in the in the middle. You know, it's not like you just turn it on one day and they've added a new font. Whereas Siri is this server side thing where they're constantly, you know, I don't have firsthand knowledge of this, but I'm assuming they're constantly tuning and refining. Um, they're probably studying uh, the failed commands and and adding ways to address it. I know that syntax that won't work one day may work another day. I remember when it first came out, it was very touchy about the word no. You know, if you said nope or, I mean, there were just different ways you could say it. Like, uh, absolutely. I remember for yes, I would say absolutely, and it wouldn't understand it. And then at one point, it just started understanding that as yes. Um, so... Obviously, there's stuff going on all the time with it, which is kind of strange as uh, for an Apple product. Yeah. Now, a couple of things have struck me just as interesting because what's missing or, or what Siri can't do, and I'm sure these are limitations that people who have been using Siri for the last year probably banged their head up against a year ago. And obviously, we know that there are certain types of tasks that it can't do. And we know that it, it doesn't have developer APIs, so unless developers are very clever or able to tie into other areas that the developers can't tie into it specifically, and, and, and of course I wish they could. But you know, still little things like Siri can't read your email. It can read text messages, but it can't read email. And although I had read a post somewhere that said Siri was going to be able to do things like change Wi-Fi and Bluetooth settings, or at least turn them on and off, she ha- it, it hasn't been able to do it for me yet. No, I don't think that's a, a feature that's available. Right. I haven't. It's she's. It says, "I'm sorry, I can't do that." I'm going to call her she. I, I should just slip into that. And then I've uh, noticed a couple of things. Like you and I have a shared calendar that's called Mac Power Users in my calendar. So I can add appointments to my calendar, but when I tried to add a specific appointment to that calendar, maybe I was using the wrong syntax. I couldn't do that. I could add an appointment to my default calendar but not to that specific calendar. In fact, there's some specific syntax when you're adding events that takes, you know, there's a couple items on here and this is iOS five. So I apologize. It's not totally new, but for instance, adding an event, it took me a while to kind of piece it out. But if I want to add an event and I want to explain what the event is, I, I don't want to say new appointment because then it calls it appointment, which isn't good enough for me. So I would say schedule a Mac power users recording at 6 p.m. today. And then it will schedule an appointment that's called Mac power users recording. So the word schedule is important. Same thing with reminders. If you have various reminders lists, you say, you know, add by peanuts to my grocery list. So you're using the word add, then the event, and then specifying the list. There's certain things like that. You still have to learn how it talks which obviously is not, you know, the solution. It, it should be able to parse whatever you say. Say, remind me to get peanuts when I go to the store. It's not, might not, it may not work that way. Right. There's actually a really good post that was up on uh, the unofficial Apple weblog a couple of days ago. And I think they're turning some of this into a book. Erica Sadoon and Steve Snade are, is doing a book on talking to Siri, but they, they went through and they pulled some of the syntax that you have to use and some of the things that Siri can do, and they turned it into a, a post at the unofficial Apple web blog. So that, that's something we'll link to. Yeah, Steve Sand. Steve Sand. I apologize. There yeah. you go. Uh, if you're also new to Siri, one of the best things you can do is you hold down the button to open Siri up, and then it will say, say, command. But there's also a little I, a little information button right next to that 
Are you there? Just do that on yours right now, Katie, so you, yeah. so you can see it. Or you can even ask her, what can you do? And, and that will pop up. Yeah. So, but if you tap that eye, it, it gives you a whole list and you can look through them and the microphone still stays open. So you can find the one that works for you and then tap the button and record it so you can get used to doing it. And don't do it all at once. If you're new to Siri, just pick one thing that you do a lot of and learn the, the syntax for that. And then the next time learn something else. One thing I haven't figured out is exactly how much behind the scenes communication does Siri do with my contacts? For example, I usually, my family has Sunday night dinners. So yeah. on my calendar, I said, create an appointment Sunday night at 7 p.m. dinner with mom and dad. And Siri created the appointment. But then she asked me, which of my mom's email addresses do I want to associate with the appointment? So I picked one. And now I'm sitting here going, now, did my mom just get an invitation and think that I invited her to dinner? Yeah, she did. Because that was not my intent. Yeah. Oh, now I got to cook dinner. Well, there you go. But, so, I, uh, but I didn't, for example, I went to my mail, my email outbox to look to see if there was an email to my mom and I didn't see one. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So I got to make dinner this Sunday. So for Twitter, the uh, command is post to Twitter. So post to Twitter, recording another Mac Power users show uh, or tweet. You can say tweet. I really like bananas. And then it'll show up. It's a little nervous um, tweeting with uh, with just your voice, <laughs> you know. But obviously, you get a chance to approve it before it goes out, right? Overall, I, I think Siri's something that I'm going to use all the time. I'm glad it came to the iPhone three. Um, I'm glad I didn't see it before on the iPhone four S. Otherwise, I would have had to upgrade, and that would have totally thrown me off cycle. And uh, I just hope the data centers don't all crash now that we've got so many more devices using Siri. Yeah. I hope it, it doesn't become a, a a more difficult experience as it perhaps was in, in the early days of the iPhone 4S. Can I tell you the reason why I installed the beta? Yeah. The That option to when you get a phone call, you can automatically respond with a text message. I That is probably some of my favorite features of iOS 6 are the phone features. Because although I love my iPhone, I've never thought that it was the best phone. Although yeah. that's probably one of the things I use it the least for. But I never thought it made the best phone, and that's amazing. Well, you never thought it made the best phone because of reception or because of the phone software? Oh, that too. Probably, it- probably reception was the big one. But just for all of the advances that it made in so many other areas, it seems like they, they, they has the phone really changed that much? from iOS 1 through iOS 5. Not really, but it, it no. got a nice update here. If, right. if memory serves, they did make some changes to the phone in the in the first couple of revisions to the iOS, but it seems like the last few years it's really stayed about the same. Right. So the feature we're talking about is when a phone call comes in, you know how you get the little camera icon that you can slide up the screen? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a similar uh, item where you can slide up the screen when a phone call comes in. And it gives you the option to, in addition to ignore the call, it gives you the option to respond with a text message. And it's got a few pre-canned messages in there, pre-canned messages in there, like one saying, I'll call you later. And I use that all the time. 
And you can actually go in and change the messages. If you go into the settings app and into the phone, you can change the messages. But it all, it, they're always going to start with can't talk right now, dot, dot, dot. And then they're up to three pre-canned responses that you can put in there. So I put in podcasting as one of mine because somebody oh, really? always seems to call me when I'm podcasting. Yeah, I, I did it, Jeff. I put in there that I can't call because I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> the um, there's a there's a lot you can do with it though, and, and you can also have it give you a reminder to call that person back. That is great, and you can do that based on geolocation as well. Right. So you can say, like, if you know if someone in your family calls and you're at work, and you know that you want to call them on the way home. You can set that up so when you leave the office, your phone will give you a little notification as you're driving away. Call mom. Because you always say, oh, yeah, I'll call you later. I'll call you later. And then you forget. I forget at least. I'm such a horrible yeah. friend. Yeah, It seems like the geolocation stuff is, is starting to get traction. I mean, it's starting to, they're finding interesting ways to use it, not just Apple, but third-party software developers as well. In fact, that, I want to talk about that later with the update to find my friends. I can't get any of my friends to turn on Find My Friends. Yeah. Nobody wants well, me to be following them. Yeah. But well, let's that's okay because that. I don't let's want get, them to follow me. But yeah, let's yeah, talk we'll about the operating later. software for a while first. We'll get back to that. Okay. But either way, so this, the, uh, I guess, what is it called? Slide up? I don't know what they call it. But either way, when a up phone to call. answer or something like that? Yeah. So know. when a phone call comes in, you flick it up and then you can immediately send a text message or give yourself a reminder to call back later. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And uh, you will be, too, once you start playing with this. Well, and I didn't think I was going to be because I had, you know, limited. I am not a texter, David. I, I For whatever reason, I miss the generation that was supposed to be texting. And I maybe send less than 10 text messages a month. iMessages has changed that somewhat. So I just got one of these $200, I'm sorry, 200 text message plans that you could get on AT&T for five bucks a month. And I was worried because that plan is now long gone. And if you want, you know, text messages, you got to pay an arm and a leg for them. And I guess that's now a little bit of a non-issue because now that you're going to these everything plans or these, you know, share everything plans, now we're getting unlimited texting. So I guess I don't care so much. Yeah. I the, used to be very conservative about my texting. But now that you've got Siri, you're going to find that you text more. At least I do. That's probably true. That's probably true. Okay. So what about do not disturb? Yeah, that's really cool, too. So do you want to talk about that or do you want me to? Yeah, I'll talk about Do Not Disturb. So in anticipation of this, I created a contacts group, and I called it VIP because I wasn't feeling very original, for lack of a better word. And in the VIP contacts, I just added people who were important and that if my phone were to ring after hours or whatnot, I would probably want to take a call from them. Otherwise, I really don't like hearing from people after a certain hour, and I, I certainly don't want to be woken up by, you know, an accidental drunk call at, at 2 a.m., because believe me, that's that's happened more often than not. And my iPhone is right next to my bed at night because I, I do have a couple of things going on with my family where it is very possible that I may get a call at 2 a.m. that I need to get and I need to hear what's going on. So do not disturb can be, again, in, in settings under the phone, you can enable it. And it's from a certain time to a certain time, you can tell it only to allow calls from these certain people between these time periods. And it will silence notifications. It will silence phone calls. 
everything except from people on your allow list. And you can either set up a contacts group or you can just do your favorites or however you want to do it. But there's the safety guard. So if somebody calls you back a second time within three minutes, I think, it will let the call come through the second time. Just so smart. You know, now that phones are computers, we can do stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, now, now, the setting to get there, it's, it's a little confusing. When you go into the settings, there is a do not disturb slider. And what right. that does is turns it on at any moment. Like, I turn it on before we start podcasting. Oh, that's good. That's been my dark secret for the last two or three months. I didn't know um, that. But also, underneath that, you go to the notifications button, which mm-hmm. is not completely intuitive that it would be there. It would seem to me like they would get their own, but I can understand why. You're right. It is in notifications. I said and, phone. It's in notifications. And, yeah. And then there's a do not disturb setting. And from there, you can set the schedule and you can set the schedule for certain hours. And I just use the favorites. So I have a nice favorites list. It's got my family. You're on there because, you Woo-hoo. know, we're in this together. And and anybody on that list can get through. Uh, and I do have the repeated calls setting turned on. Yeah. I mean, who knows if there's a hospital calling or something I want to know. Right. And and I wonder if people will um, become aware of this and know to call that if they get somebody's voicemail to, to immediately call back. Uh, geeks will know. Geeks will know, yeah. I don't think everybody will figure that out. But yeah. it, it, it is a great feature. Yeah. One of the things I thought was interesting is it does not have customized schedules. So it's just from this time to this time. Period is the schedule. Yeah. I've got mine set from ten thirty p.m. to six thirty a.m. You can't say this schedule on weekdays, this schedule on weekends. Yeah, which, you'd have to go in and manually change it. Yeah, I would have liked a little more customization. So that that was kind of my my only gripe about do not do not call. So we've been we've been going here for a few minutes. Do you want to talk about our first sponsor before we go on to a different topic? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Well, you know, it, it is iPhone time, and I've actually got my, my box sitting right here because uh, when my new iPhone 5 arrives, which by the time you record this, it will have already been here, my iPhone 4 is already spoken for, and it is going off to our first sponsor, and that is gazelle.com. And Gazelle has been really generous. They're doing something interesting with the launch of the iPhone 5. They know how difficult it's been for people to get their hands on these iPhone 5s. So Gazelle has an extended window. Normally their window is good for 30 days. But they had an extended window for you to lock in your rate on your old iPhone and waiting for you to get your iPhone 5. Did you take advantage of this? I did. I'm so weird. I I bought my... uh, set up my gazelle purchase of my daughter's phone before they even announced the new iPhone. Yeah, I did too. I did yeah. too. Um, so here's what you do is you go to gazelle.com and you know, you want the new iPhone. Maybe you've already got it on order. Maybe you're waiting for it to arrive, but you take a look at your old iPhone and you tell them what you've got you tell them what kind of conditions in. And here's the thing, even if it's broken, if you've got a cracked screen or cracked glass or some other kind of issue for it, they even buy broken iPhones for cash. So you go in, you tell them what you have, you know, what size it is, what kind of condition it is, and they'll lock in your order for at least 30 days. Like I said, they've been doing a little bit of an extension with the iPhones because they've been harder to get, but that probably won't be an issue by the time you hear this. And then once you get your new phone, you ship your old one to Gazelle and they'll even pay for the shipping. They'll give you a quote, you send your phone, and then they'll send you a check or they'll send you a PayPal or they'll send you an Amazon gift certificate and you get even 5% more if you go the Amazon route. But however you want to do it and you will get paid. You don't have to deal 
with somebody on Craigslist. You don't have to, you know, deal with all of these fees that you get for listing it on other services. You just tell them what you got. They send you a box, you put it in the box, and then you get cash back. And if you don't like their offer, then you don't do it. It's it's risk-free. And if for any reason Gazelle gets your phone and they turn out that it's worth more or it's worth less, they'll let you know and say, hey, what do you think? Do you still want to take our offer or, or, or do you want us to, to send it back to you? So I, I've used Gazelle before with my phones and I just have decided it's it's not worth my time and it's not worth my effort to go any other way. Yeah, and I'm just looking right now. So I'm selling a, an iPhone 4 16 gigabytes. It's 162 okay. bucks. Yeah, that's going to that's gonna pay for some adapters right there. So if you've got a uh, if you've got a two year old iPhone four and you're ready for your upgrade, you know you can pay a good chunk of the uh, the upgrade cost. Right. Um, I'm just such a big fan of this because I have done all the crazy stuff in the past of trying to find a buyer and shipping it off. I've done eBay, I've done Craigslist, and all that stuff is just a massive pain. Uh, this is, just makes it really easy. You you get a price, it's agreed upon. They send you a box, you send it back, you get money. Sounds simple enough to me. So go yeah. check them out at gazelle, G-A-Z-E-L-L-E dot com. And when you check out, look at that little box that tells them that we sent you. And uh, we really appreciate Gazelle and their support of the show. Yeah. And if, if you've got a phone and you're, you're on the fence about whether or not you want to upgrade, go to Gazelle and look. It's and all the justification you need for your is. significant it other. It is. But honey, I got such a good deal on my old phone. Yeah. So there they're going to enable geeks everywhere. Perfect. And thanks, Gazelle, for sponsoring us. If you do go there, make sure to check the box to tell them you heard about it from us. Yeah. That always helps us and lets them know that um, Mac Power users are serious about supporting our sponsors. We appreciate it. I already told them that, you know. Okay. Let's continue. Yeah. Okay. So how about mail? You're going to be so proud of me, David. Okay. I'm I, very proud of you. I turned off the ding. The mail ding? You know, the little oh, yeah. mail notification? Yeah. I mean, you just stopped. I thought it's, there was something more coming. No, no. That's it. Isn't that enough? That's, I'm, hallelujah. It's gone. Kind okay. of. Okay. So, rather than interrupting you 12 times an hour, what is your phone doing now? It's only going to interrupt me when I get a notification for my VIPs. Yeah. And that's like your family, your coworkers. Um, it's, it's my immediate family, you, and my partner's. All right. At great. the office. That's it. That's it. There's like, yeah, less than a dozen people on there. It's liberating. And so now they have it both on the Mac and the iPhone, and it all works together. That's that's one of the other reasons why I jumped early on the beta band, bandwagon, because I wanted that feature. Yeah. And you can, so you can set the notifications on mail now to just be limited to that VIP list. And everything else doesn't get through. So your phone is not going to be constantly jabbering at you every time you get a new ad for Viagra. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Okay. And this is, you know, there, there are more complicated services that, that give you more granularity on this stuff. Sure. But for a lot of people, this is enough. Right. And, and believe me, I understood what you were preaching the whole time about the constant interruptions and the Pavlovian-type response that we have to email and how we constantly have to check it, and I get it. But, you know, there, my office is a classic example where, unfortunately, you know, my partners use email like I am, and they may say stuff like, I have someone in my office that you need to come see. And I'm like, yeah. oh, please don't do that. Pick up the phone or actually send me an IM because we have an IM program in, my, in, in our office. 
but they won't do that. They'll send an email. So I do need to still get some notifications, but I, I can already tell you I'm going to be much happier without having that phone ding a hundred times a day and having to reach for it to see what's going on. Yeah, you know, and my rants against that about, you know, the idea of having your phone or your computer every five minutes tell you if there's new email, it's not because I, you know, I'm judging you. It's because right. I am terrible at it. I, I have no ability to resist that. And if I turn it on, I will stop and look every time because, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer and I get no affirmation in my daily life, <laughs> right? So there's a little part of me that, that thinks every time that ding rings that somebody's going to be telling me that I'm okay and I look, and it's a Viagra ad, and it just makes me sad. So like I have to turn it off. Maybe we should work on your spam filter. Yeah, there we go. So. Anyway, uh, so that's great. So the VIP feature, if you haven't looked into it, you know, maybe it came out in line. You weren't really sure about it. We talked about it in follow-up a couple times because we had to get it exactly right, how you turn off the um, the VIP so you just see the new messages. Mm-hmm. Well, now, it, you know, the circle is complete. You can do it on your your iOS device and on your Mac. And everything just works. The other thing that, that I'm really enjoying with mail, and hallelujah, it's finally come in about time, time uh, custom signatures. Yeah. I do a lot of work away from the office. And, you know, your my clients at least, I don't know about yours, they always expect me to be sitting at my, you know, I don't I don't want to set the expectation that I'm I might be responding to your email from my iPhone or my iPad because I don't want to is to set the expectation that yeah, I'm going to respond to your email any time of the day or you know, you might get a response to me or I'm not in the office right now. So, I like having a nice custom signature on my on my iPad or on my iPhone especially for my work email address so that, you know, unless you know, you're digging into the headers or something, you're really not going to be able to tell that this came from my iPhone. Yeah, don't even get me started on lawyers and their signatures. Please tell me I, you don't have a signature that's like 20 lines. The, no, no, it's just, no. All right. Not even on my work computer. I don't have a signature that's 20 lines. Yeah. But it is nice. So if you've got multiple accounts, if something's coming from Max Sparky or coming from my legal account or whatever, uh, it just automatically drops that in there. And I don't have a signature with pictures and animated GIFs or anything like that either. Yeah. And we have flagged mailboxes in mail. Yeah, I don't. I ha, I have used this on occasion. I don't use this as much because I'm doing a better job now of sorting my email than I used to. Yeah, it's never been a big deal to me either, but I know it's, for a lot of people it's huge. Right. And then you know, one of the just again the nice little touches is pull the refresh. I mean, come on, you you were already doing this anyway, but nothing was happening, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and of course they put a little animation and and fun into it. So, uh, what about this Passbook thing? I am interested in Passbook, but I don't really have anything in Passbook right now. I've got a. I, I want to know how to get my Starbucks card into Passbook. Yeah, it's it's too too early to tell. I I think it's got great potential. I'm excited about it because I've been using an app. I think I talked about it on our Five Bucks show. Uh, Card Star. Did I mm-hmm. talk about that? Yeah, you did. Which is basically a um, an app that will allow you to put all of your convenience and reward cards in, so that people can scan them at the register. And Passbook is certainly a lot more sophisticated than that. But I'm pretty minimalist. I, I have a small purse and a small wallet, and I really don't even like carrying around my purse when I don't have to. And I am not going to carry around all that junk if I don't have to. So. 
as much of that stuff that I can I can get in my passbook and just carry my phone because I'm going to be carrying that anyway. I'm I'm very excited about that. I don't know. I, I think this may be one that in six months we look back and realize that you know the um, that we just had the uh, Trojan horse in our gates because you know we could really this could really become a big deal if it's adopted by you know businesses that we shop at every day. Oh, I'm sure it will be. Well, and I don't. Apple has said pretty much by their actions, we don't think this NFC thing is going anywhere, at least right now. Well, that requires some custom hardware. And, uh, you know, I I can just see why they're going to try it this way. If NFC takes off, I could see them turning into that too. I don't think they're, they haven't said anything. Right. But they do have this app on built in on every iPhone, which means all the millions and millions of iPhones that, you know, are getting iOS 6 now have the ability to shop there and people who like to take your money are going to find a way to use that. Well, and I think they, they've had a lot of people, if they're not already ready, they've, they've committed to it. Like I think Delta Airlines, which is the airline that I typically fly, has already committed to Passbook. So I'm, I'm excited about things like that. Yeah, you know, I linked a video at Max Parkey. I, I was surprised, or actually a website at Max Parkey. I was surprised at how easy it is to generate these things. I mean, you can do it all. There's a web thing that does it. Hmm. Movie chip. Maybe we should. No, I'm sorry. It's not movie chip. It's, um, hold on. We should have an event and sell tickets. Yeah, exactly. Why not? People can come with their iPhones. Yeah. So, you know what? It may have been I tweeted it. I didn't post it. Okay. Well, I will find it and put it in the show notes. But I think this is going to be something that, that a lot of people use. I'll tell you one thing else I really love is the, is the, Synced Safari tabs. Have you figured that out yet? I don't really have a use for it, but I guess they're nice. Oh, I love the ability to jump. So I'll be looking at a series of tabs on my Mac. Let's say I'm researching for the show. Okay. Happens all the time. So I'm in um, on my iPad and I'm pulling up websites and doing all sorts of things. I just leave those tabs open using iOS uh, tab syncing. I go into Safari on my Mac. I can get access to all those. I don't have to go refine them. Okay. Very useful. Doesn't sound like you're convinced, though. No. I mean, I guess. I just don't. I don't keep tabs open on my Mac all the time. Okay. I get that. I go what I want and I close it down, and I can always, you know, Google it and find it later if I need to. Yeah. Um, what about offline reading lists? This again was something that I was not that excited about because I use Instapaper for everything. Yeah, exactly. And this is a, both of us are having a power user response to this. It's like, great. They made something for, you know, normal people to try and play with this stuff, but it's not going to hold a cancel. It's not going to hold a candle to my dear Instapaper. Well, I'm glad it's here because I think there are people who will get a lot of use out of this. I've, I've tried to get my, my parents into Instapaper. I, you know, I've bought them the app. I've in, installed it on their iPads. And, and here I really think you would like this, and, and they just can't get into it. But maybe now that it's built into the iOS, maybe they, maybe they will. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shared photo streams. Super and yeah. huge for my family. Yeah, it it is nice. But one of the things I thought was interesting is you can't add photos to somebody else's shared photo stream. No, but you can get access to them. Right. So, so we go to a family event and I can have my family share the photo streams from their computers to me. 
So you're not going I'm to be their phones to me. Yeah, yeah you're not going to be doing the uh, pass the pass the compact flash card around. Well, you know, because I'm Max Sparky, right? <laughs> it seems like iPhones have appeared around me in most circles. Really? In, really? In my imme- Did you have anything to do with that? Well, I don't know. I, I, I said this on the show a lot, but I really don't go out and evangelize this stuff with the exception of one password. <laughs> but um, I, I don't go out and say you have to get a Mac, you have to get an iPhone, whatever. But because I use the heck out of these things and I can do great things with them, people around me see that and they, they want to do use the heck out of their things too. And as a result, you know, and Apple makes it easy. So in, in large part, I think a lot of people will follow my lead on this stuff. So it's like we went to a family gathering recently and there were no Android phones in the building, you know. I can imagine. I, I yeah. wouldn't think they would be allowed. Oh, I don't care. Honestly, I don't care. In fact, I like it when there's the guy who shows up who's like really into his PC or Android phone and can't stop talking about it. I kind of like to egg him on a little bit. Yeah. Well, show me how that works and then we'll just, just keep going. Everybody makes fun of Apple people, but I think anybody who's passionate about their particular technology of choice, you can't shut them up. So I've got a lot more to talk about, but before we do, why don't we talk about our second sponsor, the Omni Group. You okay. good with that? Yeah. So there were some major updates to a lot of the Omni apps this week, not only to get them ready for iOS 6, not only to get them ready for the iPhone 5, because you know Omni is already on top of that. Um, but David, they also integrated with some of our other favorite apps, like yes. Text Expander. Massive update for iOS uh, um, uh, <laughs> You know, whenever we record these shows late at night, <laughs> I don't know how anybody can listen to me. Honestly, it's like I'm I'm becoming senile during the recording. Anyway, so if you're using OmniFocus on your iOS device, your iPad or your iPhone, now is the chance to get your text expander integration. So all your text expander snippets that you've created, and we've talked about them on the show. I did a screencast for them at Max Sparky. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some really great ways to utilize text expander in creating new tasks. And now they just integrate to the Omni apps. So, like, let's say um, you get an email from somebody and you copy and paste that email um, title into a new task item in, in the uh, OmniFocus. You just move the cursor to the beginning, type R2, dot R2F. I'm sorry, dot RTF is my uh, snippet. Mm-hmm. I have to actually look at the keyboard to do it. Uh, and then it says, respond to email concerning space dash dash space and so when i get an email i want to respond to it later i just do that dot rtf and then it fills out that whole snippet for me and now i can do it on my phone and my ipad and i love it and you've made some videos about this and you've actually shared your text expander snippets haven't you yeah, I put them up on the website. And I didn't put them all because if I did, you, you'd realize that I'm a loon. But right. I put some samples there, which gives you a good place to start. And uh, there's another point about this. So Apple also has the, um, the keyboard shortcut feature that came in iOS 5 and got better in iOS 6. Now it, it syncs over iCloud between your phone and your iPad, which is great. I didn't do that before. Uh, but it doesn't sync to the Mac. As far as I can tell, I'm going to get emails about that. I'm sure, but uh, but the problem is the problem with using those in Text Expander on the iPhone or the iPad is that for some reason, which defies logic, the 
text expansion from the built-in keyboard shortcuts feature of iOS doesn't work if the text is written with something to the immediate right of your cursor. Okay, so when I use the example I talked about earlier, where I copy and paste and a text in that I want to use for a new task, but I want to add, you know, respond to email concerning. Um, because there's a, because it's right, you know, the curse is right up against the text that I copy and paste it in. It won't fire off the snippet. I have to hit the space bar, then take my finger and manually move it back another space and then type the snippet. And that's what I've been doing on the phone up until the last month or so. I mean, I, Omni let me play with this once they got it, in a, you know, a manageable fashion. But, you know, for the longest time, that was how I was doing these things on the iPad. And every time I had to take my finger and move, manually move the cursor, it would make me crazy. So this is a great new feature. Uh, Text Expander and Omni Group are such a great uh, combination. It's like chocolate and peanut butter. Yeah. And, you know, and OmniFocus is just an amazing application. And I talk about it all the time. We did, I did a bunch of screencasts on it. I, it just makes my life so much easier. And I get emails all the time from listeners who say, you know, I, I, you've been prattling on about this for years. I finally tried it. And now I get it. So if you have trouble managing the tasks in your life, if you have multiple areas of responsibility and you need a big boy toy to, to get that stuff done, uh, I would recommend going and checking these apps out. They have a refund policy. If it doesn't work for you, even for the iOS, um, if you're really leery about it, go watch my screencasts first so you can get an idea how it works. There's a ton of great websites out there and, and people that are always writing about how to use this tool uh, to get things done. And I really think it plays an essential role in me being able to to be Max Barkey and do the stuff that I do for Max Barkey and also you know have a full-time day job. And I tell you, one of the things I am most excited about in getting my iPhone 5 and having the ability to use Siri pretty much anywhere and everywhere and capture all of these things is being able to integrate it with OmniFocus because the OmniFocus people were so smart and they figured out early on how do we get around these limitations and how do we add Siri support to OmniFocus. And you did screencast on that too that I, I went through and watched in anticipation of getting my iPhone. And, and it, it will be able to pull in context. It will be able to pull in geolocation. All you have to do is, is set it up, which takes about, you know, four seconds and away you go. Okay. And, and I got a, um, I got a refinement to that as well. Oh, okay. Okay. Like so on the OmniFocus app, we'll look at the OmniFocus list and reminders or the reminders list and reminders. Right. The problem I was running is a lot of times Siri would get confused uh, when I'd say Omni group list be, or I'm sorry, Omni focus list, because it would think those were two different words and say, you don't have a list called Omni space focus. So what I do is um, I have the reminders list, which feeds the Omni focus app. And for, as a little background, when you add something to a list and you turn this feature on an Omni focus, it just goes to that list and reminders app and pulls stuff out of there and puts it into your inbox and in Omni focus. So I was talking earlier about using Siri and saying, add, you know, grocery, add, you know, peanuts to my grocery list. Uh, I can also say, add, call Katie about show planning to my reminders list. And what it'll do is then it'll add, you know, call Katie about show planning to my, to my reminders list. And OmniFocus will look at that and drag that into my inbox in OmniFocus. And now it, it's in the, at that point, it's in the system and it will get dealt with. Very so, cool. so the syntax I use when I'm driving down the road and I think of things I need to do is, you know, add 
blah, blah, blah to my reminders list and you're good to go. And then it gets in, in OmniFocus and once it's in OmniFocus, you're solid. Yeah. Yeah, try it. You're going to love it. Well, you can find links to these uh, great screencasts and David's Text Expander snippets in the show notes, and you can learn everything you want to learn about OmniFocus on the OmniGroup's website at OmniGroup.com. OmniFocus for Mac is $39, and you can buy the iPhone or the iPad apps for nineteen ninety nine dollars apiece, and I, I think you're going to want to grab all three because they are just uh, gorgeous applications that have been meticulously designed for their particular devices, not just ported apps, but meticulously designed for, for their you know devices and their particular use and OmniFocus and I can't wait to use it with Siri. In the day job, the other day I was I met with a guy and when we finished the meeting I said, okay, what are you going to do? And we decided what his jobs were to do before we met again. And I said, and these are the things I'm going to do. And I just hit OmniFocus, I hit uh, Siri and I said, add blah, blah, blah to my reminders list right in front of him. And he looked at me and just like his jaw dropped. I'm like, oh, man, now you think I'm like a super nerd, don't you? And he's like, no, you're like super organized. I can't believe you just did that. There you go. You got caught. What? I said you got caught. Yeah. Just think about that. You can impress your coworkers. Anyway, I think that's gone on long enough. (laughs) But but the fact is uh, that ad slash content there, uh, you can do some amazing things uh, combining Siri with these tools. So moving on, there are a couple of areas I kind of in the outline labeled this areas of concern. And concern may be a a little bit of a strong word, but these are areas that I I found in looking at iOS 6 that are interesting, maybe a little half-baked, different perhaps would be different words. And and I wanted to start it off with the new iOS 6 maps. And wow, you even said that. The way you said that sounded kind of negative. I didn't mean to be negative. I'm not trying to be negative. iOS 6 maps. maps. The maps. They're not Google Maps anymore. Yeah. Well, that's been years in the planning, right? It has been years in the planning, but despite being years in the planning... There's some missing features, and there's some new features that could be really cool. Yeah. Mr. Gruber wrote about that today. He, I, he did I just read his that. post before we got online. And he was saying that, you know, it's not absolutely clear whether the, you know, the removal of maps was at Google's behest or Apple's. Um, I don't know. Uh, there, I think there's things to like and dislike about the Maps app. I, I prefer the clean layout that it has. I mean, just the way it displays maps. What do you think of that? I like it's prettier. The Apple Maps is prettier. I think it may have lost some functionality. Okay, well, I don't want to talk about things like Street View and all that other stuff yet, but just looking at a map in this thing, I think it looks pretty good. I mean, I, I'm okay with the way they look. I, I like the uh, the color. It's a little bit of a different color palette. And um, and I've been using it, like I said, throughout this beta. And I, I love the Siri integration with the maps. Uh, you know, uh, when you can say, you know, get directions to Katie Floyd's house. And it goes and finds you my contacts database and starts directing me there. And I don't have to do anything but just hold down my Bluetooth for a second. Yeah. Well, um, one of the things I don't like about it, and I haven't tested this since it went Gold Master, so maybe this has been fixed, but at nighttime, 
when you're navigating by nighttime, it doesn't have a dark mode, or at least it didn't. Mm. And that's a problem because it's so bright, you know, right in your face when you're driving at night. And you can go in, I know, and manually adjust the brightness, but that's not a solution. Right. It, you lose, it gives, actually affects your vision. Right. That's, I, I don't think it's safe that way. So I don't know what, what's going to happen there. One of the things I've noticed as well is the map data seems to be a bit out of date and quite a bit out of date compared to Google's map data. You know, for example, the map data on the iOS 6 maps, my house doesn't exist. And oh, okay. Well, that's a good test, right? Yeah. And, and this house was built, I've been in this house about a year and a month now. And when I when I go look at the maps data for this house, it's just a cleared lot with with nothing on it, and my my house doesn't exist now. My neighbor's house, which was built about six months before mine, is there, so I, that kind of gives me an idea of the time period, but it doesn't exist. If I go look at the Google Maps data for my house, my house is not only is my house there, but you know the whole because this is a neighborhood that's that's in the process of being built out. But I can pretty much tell that that particular snapshot was taken within four months based on the progress of the houses around me. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of depressing when I sit here and go, my house doesn't exist. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the other thing people are upset about is no transit directions. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal for me. Um, when I go out of town, I'm typically on foot. And I was in Washington, D.C. earlier this year. And those transit directions were incredibly helpful in getting from point A to point B. I don't know that they were necessarily the most accurate, but you know, navigating, you know, going from my hotel to the subway, and, and it would actually tell you, you know, take this train to this stop and then hop off of here and transfer to the metro bus and then hop off of here and you're going to go do this. Um, because I, I took public transit from my hotel out to see the Space Shuttle Discovery, which was at the Air and Space Museum Annex, which was like 12 miles away, but ended up being an hour and a half on a bus and a train and an automobile. And yeah, it was crazy. But I, I never, never would have made it without, without Google Maps transit directions. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's interesting about that. You know, with, have you ever heard the term Sherlock? Yeah. Okay. So when, you know, Sherlock was a feature that was, I forget now. Guys, I've, I've Sherlock, lost. Sherlock killed Watson. That's right. Watson was first. Watson was a third-party app, and then Apple came out with a feature in iOS called Sherlock, which obviously not only no, copied not, its features. Not, a, not in iOS, in, in macOS. Yeah, I'm sorry, macOS. Yeah. And, and not only copied its features, it, it copied its name, too. And <laughs> so everybody calls it Sherlocked when Apple comes out with some feature that kills an existing market. Here, Apple has killed an existing feature that has created a market. So it's a reverse Sherlock. We've got a feature that we used to have on the built-in maps app, which no longer exists, which opens a, an opportunity. Is that going to become a thing? You were reverse Sherlocked? I don't think it's going to happen very often. <laughs> I think this is a, a pretty no, unique I just, I just circumstance. mean that phrase. I want to use that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, I, was, I think, this was a reverse Sherlock? Yeah, I know. Boy, we're, we're going deep here. Okay. This is getting nerdy. All right. Uh, Street view is another thing. I, I like Street View, and it's great when I'm going someplace where I'm not really familiar with it, just to, to zoom in from the Street View to see what it's going to look like so I know when I get there, like, where's the entrance to the parking structure? Yeah, that can be very helpful. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a Google drove cars all over the 
country, you know, taking pictures, all this stuff. That's not something you easily, re, you know, that you can easily duplicate. I don't think that's ever going to come to the Apple Maps app. I don't know if it's a big enough deal. As as we record this, um, there's no word yet as to whether there will be a separate Maps app. In fact, no, I think they may have announced that they're going to, but we haven't seen it yet. Well, you know, Google did, because the same thing happened with the YouTube app, is the YouTube app is now gone and you just use the web interface. And they did release a YouTube app, and I may be getting this backwards, I should look before I speak, that works on the iPhone but not the iPad. I'm, I'm sure it works, but it's in 2X mode, which I thought was odd. It was not a universal app. I am sure it is only a matter of time before before Google brings out a, a, a native iOS app for Maps. Yeah, assuming they can push ads or make money off it. I mean, obviously, that's their business. Um, and, and my conspiracy theory, although I'm not sure it's much of a conspiracy theory, is that that was how things broke down between Apple and Google. I mean, obviously, the relationship was strained because because of the whole thermonuclear war being declared. But my guess is, you know, Google said, if you want to continue to use our products, we want to put ads in. And Apple said, you are not putting an ad on our glorious, beautiful iOS device. Yeah, and and we're definitely straying off our our goal here of of not getting into that stuff. But just as a final point... I'm not sure, though, because I would think that Google also gets a certain value of using the map data to know where people are. That could be. That could but, be. But it would seem natural that you, then you combine that with the ability to serve ads to really, you know, make it work. Uh, okay, so flyover is interesting. I, I have never been interested in this flyover. That You know, I've had these betas. I looked at them once, and I was like, that's great, and I've never looked at them again. Well, do you even have it in your cities? Because I don't in mine. Uh, no, not in my, uh, not, not in Irvine. Yeah. But I played with it a little bit and it just, it just didn't really do anything for me. Now, what about the actual driving directions? Because you're going to have that on the 4S and the 5. Yeah. Well, I've been using them and they're fine. One of the things is, uh, I, I switched to Verizon from, from AT&T and I know you don't have this issue. But on Verizon and Sprint, it's been noted that we are not going to have simultaneous voice and data on the iPhone 5, although we all thought that would be coming with LTE, and that was kind of quite a shock. And I started thinking about, okay, well, that's not really a big deal. I don't I don't really use simultaneous voice and data all that often. But then I started thinking, you know, the one occasion that I probably would use voice and data simultaneously is if I'm using my iPhone as a GPS, because it's going to have to use data to have the connection to tell me where I'm going and if I'm on a phone call or you know, doing something else, it's obviously going to be using voice. Um, I think you're okay. Boy, I'm going on a limb. Uh, GPS is a separate antenna, to my knowledge. Right, but it depends on how often is it checking in with whatever other data source it is, because it does some other stuff, like it's you know it's pulling traffic and it's 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 checking other data points. How fast do you drive? I drive pretty darn fast. Okay. Well, I mean, the, the maps cache up. I, I haven't, I've been using it for a while. I have not seen it, you know, give me any trouble where I get onto the grid, you know, the grid where it doesn't have data and you're, you're a dot you're, out in the middle of it. Well, that's because you're on the holodeck, David. I've been meaning to tell you. <laughs> well, it, so I've been lucky. I, I'm one of those people that lives in an area where AT&T is manageable. It's not bad. I mean, I'm not going to say it's good. I'm not sure any of them are really good, but it generally works. So, I mean, I just don't have much trouble with it. So I, I haven't run into that. Uh, but at the same time, I don't really talk on the phone much either. So I guess we'll see. Yeah. 
and and no driving directions, no flyovers, anything like that, if at all, if you have anything earlier than an iPhone 4S. Yeah. You, you'll you'll get basic directions that you can swipe through. Yeah, and that is that part of the background processing issue? You know what? I, I got I'm just gonna stop. I think it's I'm part not. of the we want you to upgrade issue. Yeah. I think you're probably right. <laughs> um the uh, we didn't put it in the outline, but I thought it was interesting to talk a little bit about all these apps that are showing up because you know today Apple unloaded on us all these new apps came out and you know or updates to these apps and a couple of them I think are really pretty handy. Uh, one of the things I think is cool, just kind of really not that productivity minded, but just cool, is now GarageBand on the iPhone. You can make ringtones in it. Oh dear. So you can sit there and like tap out some music and then you can send it to your phone as a ringtone right from your phone. You know, I saw a blog post recently about how to make the optimal R2-D2 ringtone. Was that done on GarageBand? Yeah, that uh, that was done on GarageBand last night before this uh, iOS 6 release came out. I had no idea they were going to add this feature to GarageBand for the phone. But if you are making the ideal R2-D2 um, ringtone... You need space. That was what I learned. Because R2's got a process, and he's got to be able to respond to you. Yeah, and you got to talk to him. The first time I did it, I just put them all together, and it was terrible. It was like, there was no space. You know, you need a little space there. Well, yeah, because 3PO's got to, you know, gripe back at him. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so, so but, you know, GarageBand, make your own ringtones on your phone. That's pretty cool. Uh, I haven't tried importing music tracks. I'm not sure that there's a way to do that. You can do that on the Mac, but I'm not sure you can do that on the phone. So if you had like something in your iTunes library, could you just drag and turn it there? Probably the music industry wouldn't let that happen. Um, something though, that's, I think really cool. I call it, you know, the Mrs. Weasley's clock feature is the idea that now with find your friends and we're finally getting back to this, uh, you can actually, uh, set up notifications based on location for find my friends. So when you're leaving work, for instance, you can have it send a message to your sibling or when your kid is getting home, it can send you a message. I think that's really useful. I mean, I'm from the point of view of a dad. Absolutely. Absolutely. To know where people are. Yeah. And to answer your question about um, find my friends, we use it in my nuclear family, not just my wife and kids, but my sisters and some other people in our family. We use it all. We just have it turned on for each other all the time. Um, we're very boring people. So there's really no secrets anyway. Yeah. And it's just and an awkward it, conversation to initiate. Yeah. Well, see, like my sisters were like, Oh yeah, you got to turn that on. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, I, I let, let's turn on, find my friends. Why? Well, because I'd like to be able to know where you are. Why? Uh, 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 because? Yeah. No, we don't have any problem with that. Yeah. It gets creepy sometimes, I have to admit. I, w- I went to the Apple store to buy the Thunderbolt to um, Ethernet adapter. I needed to do something. Where oh, I da- to Daisy anything. has a, I'm sure she has a geofencer on the Apple store that sends out like the, the red alert sirens when you get near. No, it wasn't my wife. It was my sister. She like she called me up. She's like, "Are you buying something at the Apple Store?" <laughs> and she's like, "She's like, you know, eighty miles away from me." You know, <laughs> she wants you to pick her up something. I don't know. I'm like, "What are you doing? Are you stalking me?" <laughs> <laughs> but that's fun. You know, when we went to MacWorld last year, 
a bunch of us. Yeah, we had turned it, it on temporarily at Macworld. And, that was fun, and it's great because you can see where people are. I, I think it's a fantastic feature. And there's another app kind of like that. Um, it's interesting; these all come out at the same time, and it's called um, Twist. Yeah, Twist. That you were you were tweeting about that the other day. Yeah. So with the way Twist works is you put it in and you tell it where you're going and you tell it the the uh, the phone number for the person that you're going to and it sends them a text message when you leave it sends them a text message when you're within a certain distance and then it sends you a text message when you're there and that's a really great feature you know so well, it's like it's know when you're there well i mean like as you're almost there right okay. so, so you know you know you got time for the bathroom break or you got to you know just you got to get the the booze out really quickly or hide it with me um so either way you, you've got this great feature now they've kind of put something like that with the find my friends uh, the, the advantage of twist is you don't have to you know give the other person knowledge of where you're at at every moment or all you have to do is have it send them a text message as you're in progress so that's the, you know the parents are going to want the find my friends and the kids are going to want the twist okay that makes sense the kids aren't going to want any of it but anyway uh, so th- those are some really great features. So we, we've got those to look at as well. I feel like we would be uh, remiss if we didn't talk about the whole podcasting issue, especially since we're sitting here on a podcast. Now, you may just be over this because you've moved on to the downcast bandwagon and you haven't even looked back. I have not. Yeah. Here, here's my issue. Let me Let me explain to you my problem, and maybe you can come up with a solution that doesn't involve me buying expensive things. You know, my problem is, is I go to the gym five days a week and I don't want to take my iPhone to the gym because I don't, it will get slung under treadmills. It will break. It will, you know, all kinds of bad things will happen. And I don't want people to bug me when I'm at the gym. So I don't want to take my iPhone into the gym. And I'm, that might be the solution. I might just have to get one of those, you know, armband carrying cases or something and, and end up doing that. But I like to listen to podcasts when I'm at the gym. So what I've done is I've got an iPod shuffle, what I love, which I love, you know, it's 50 bucks. I just clip it onto my collar when I go to the gym and I I sync it up beforehand, plug it in and and go. I've got some music on there. I've got my workout playlist on there. I've got my podcast on there and it's just big enough that I can fit what I want on there and, you know, clip it to my shirt collar and off I go and I don't have to worry. I mean, I can throw this thing across the room and it will be fine. And it's, it's, you know, fallen off the treadmill and it's dunked into water. It's gone through the washing machine. All kinds of things have happened to this iPod shuffle. It hasn't died yet. And if it does, I can go spend another 50 bucks and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be boohooing or anything. But now podcasts are this completely separate app. And the only way that you can get your podcast to sync with iTunes, which I have to in order to use my iPod Shuffle, is to either keep them in the music app, which worked fine until yesterday because the music app would sync with iTunes. But today, there is no more managing a podcast whatsoever within the music app. So now I have to either use this podcast app from Apple, which is atrocious, or I have to figure out a whole new mechanism for rearranging my life. Yeah, you know, I have a similar issue. I, I swim, you know, we have a community pool. I go in it and I, and people are like, Oh, well, you must be really loving swimming. You know, swimming makes me crazy. It's like, it's boring and it makes me tired, but it's, it's a good exercise. And, and I like it a lot better than running. So I go swimming and any of the pools open at five in the morning and I can just go in there with the, the early morning club. But 
so I'm so bored, I need something to keep me interested. And I've got an old iPod with a set of custom heads, headphones that, that uh, enclose it in a waterproof container. And then it has little earbuds that fit in my ear. And they sound terrible. It's like listening to music is not a good idea. But you can actually listen to a voice recording while you are swimming, which is a way to make it go longer, for, uh, go faster for me. So uh, what I do with that, though, because it's this iPod that's basically out of the rotation, it's not part of my iPhone and, you know, Downcast isn't going to know what podcasts I've listened to it. Um, I just get a couple like there's a couple podcasts that I only listen to on that or I get audible books that I listen to on that and they only get listened to when I swim. I would and, rather not do that. I, I yeah. can. I get that that's a solution, but yeah. So that's, that's how I dealt with it. So they're not, you know, they're just not synced and they're not, I just, when they're done, they're done. And a, a good thing, a good health uh, tip is to get something you really like on there, but only listen to it while you swim. Hmm. And then, you know, you kind of force yourself to swim a little longer. Yeah. I, I mean, here's this, this stupid podcast app. I just had, I spent, probably spent an hour today getting all of my podcasts set up just right because it doesn't sync the settings from iTunes. So I spent an hour getting all of my podcasts and all my settings set up. And had it just right, and now all of a sudden I have 75 unplayed podcast episodes. Not really, but that's what it says. Yeah, it may be too early to know this, because I just came out with an update today as we record this, but does it download the podcast in the background when it's not, you know, when you're not having it specifically going? Like, for instance, for Downcast, part of my morning routine is I just open the app and stick my phone in a drawer. And that way it can go check if there's any new podcasts and download them. That's a good question. It That was one of my main complaints with it, is that it used to not do that. But I know now that there is a there is now an option where it will download only over, over Wi-Fi as opposed to downloading over 3G. So that tends to make you think that it would download in the background, but I don't know that it actually downloads in the background because I know that was one of my gripes about it before. But you're right, it just came out with, with updates. So please tell us, check it and, and find out. Yeah. Because I, although even if they brought that feature in, I don't think I'd switch over to it because it just wasn't my thing. Right. I, and it, it's constantly, like I said, I spent an hour setting this up and it's constantly screwing up what's played, what's unplayed, what's, you know, and it's getting, getting the sync out all out of order. Oh, it's, it's just such a mess. Such a mess. Okay. Anyway. Well, we can't blame that on iOS 6 so much. No, but I can blame it on Apple. Yeah. For making me do this with iOS 6. Okay. Well, overall, uh, I really like iOS 6. I think, you know, Apple continues to make this stuff better. Um, a lot of things in here. In fact, I think um, uh, Sean Blanc did it. He called it everyday life. You know, iOS 6 and everyday life. I'm going to link that. Uh, and it really is. They've made a lot of nice refinements that make everyday life easier. Like when a phone call comes in, send a text message. And when I leave the office late, um, tell my family I'm on the way home. And just things like that that I think are going to be really useful to me. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm really going to enjoy iOS 6. And although it has certainly made my my iPad 3 a whole lot more useful, especially with the interaction of Siri. It, there's been a lot of improvements to my iPhone 4. So even if you have an older device that you're not going to get all of the enhancements for iOS 6, it's it's made a world of difference just in, in having it for the short period of time on my iPhone 4, and it's going to make a tremendous difference having it on my iPhone 5. Hey, let's talk about our last sponsor. Yeah, our last sponsor for this episode is Fujitsu. And, you know, Fujitsu has been... 
I, I, I've been seeing all of these things on their blog. Apparently, there's been a, a 30-day challenge for going paperless. So there's there's something about this going paperless thing that people are really interested in. You wouldn't know anything about that, would you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No. So I, I thought we could maybe help them out by by saying, you know, if if you were going to just, you're interested in this whole going paperless thing, but you feel overwhelmed because... You know, this guy wrote this book and it's so overwhelming to go get this book and read this whole book. What can you do if you're just curious about it and you want to think about getting started with going paperless? Obviously, you've got to get a scanner. Getting a scan snap is the first step in that. But I think what you can do is just start with what you have coming into your life. Is that, you know, is that what you would do is go through go through the the mail and and just start going paperless? from one point forward, or what would you recommend to someone who says, okay, I've got the scanner. I want to start this whole paperless thing, but I'm just overwhelmed. Yeah. You got to get started somewhere. And today would be a great place to start with because that's manageable. And you get one of these scan snaps, even one of the smaller ones, and it can get through today's mail. No problem. It's going to grind right through it. And then you can start working backwards once you figure it out. But, you know, the great thing about the Fujitsu ScanSnap series is that, you know, they're built for the Mac. I mean, that's not the only device they're on, but, I mean, they're built with the Mac in mind. They have software that works good on the Mac. They, you know, they, they've always worked with the Mac. They've got great document scanning capabilities. It's got a scanner on the front and the back, so you put one piece of paper through. It scans it in one pass. Um, the software includes fantastic OCR stuff. We got an email from a listener saying, okay, Dave, just tell me for real, where, what do you use to perform OCR? Yeah, you know, I got that what, too. What's the skinny? And the skinny is I use the Fujitsu software. You know, for everything that's coming in these days, I have I tick the box for OCR. Fujitsu scans it. It uses the uh, built-in software to perform OCR, which is great technology and embeds the text into the PDF right when I scan it. Now, for stuff that I haven't done that for in the past, I'll just open it up in PDF pin. But for everything I'm scanning these days, I just have the box turned on all the time. There, there's no magic to it. I just use the built-in Fujitsu software, and it's part of the package. When you buy the Fujitsu scanner, it comes with this great software. Uh, you know, you got the 1500, which is the powerhouse. You can stick it on a desktop, and you can really get through prior year stuff pretty quickly. It's got a 50-sheet feeder. You know, you got the 1300i, which is the newest one out. It scans 10 pages at once. It's got a feeder, so it still works great. It's a little bit slower, but it's got some nice internet functionality built in. You got the 1100, which you can, you know, stick in your briefcase and take with you somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about using the scan snaps and, and the scan snap software in particular is you can define these presets. So you may decide, I've got certain things that I want to scan to folders. I've got certain things that I want to scan to Evernote. I've got certain things that I want to scan to email. And some of these come pre-configured with these, what are they called, your, your quick scan settings? Yeah. But you can even refine them further however you want. You can add your own applications then, and you can add your own settings. Maybe you don't want everything OCR'd. Maybe you do want everything OCR'd. Maybe you only want the first page OCR'd. And it's really, you know, here are all the options that we have. You can either use these presets that we've got for you, or you can really dig in deep and, and create your own presets. The software is really versatile. Yeah, I remember when I bought my first one, I thought, boy, that's a lot of money. Do I want to spend that much? And boy, I've just never regretted it. The great products. Yeah. My my dad's got my old scan snap, which is now about four or five years old, 
and he is just now replacing the rollers on them. And he was like, oh, I'm so afraid I'm, you know, it, it's the, I, I'm, I'm going to have to go get a new scanner. I said, no, no, no. These, these rollers, you can just pop them out and replace them. The scanner is going to go for you. You know, it's kind of like a Toyota. It's going to go another hundred thousand miles or so. Yeah. So great product. Go check them out. If you do end up getting one, let them know you heard about them from us. You can find more information about the ScanStamp line of scanners at ez.com slash SSMPU. And that stands for ScanSnap MPU, Mac Power Users. So thank you to Fujitsu for their continued support. So we got a lot of feedback to go through. Yeah, you know, it just piles up. I feel bad. Piles and piles. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do about it. Maybe one day we're going to have to do a feedback focus show or something because there's no way we're going to catch up where every show like we're already an hour and 16 minutes into this show so well all we all we can do is just hit some of it but okay got a got a couple emails from a bunch of people who we we talked about security and, and erasing the hard drives and things like that and i talked about how i was a little bit paranoid and before a hard drive goes out of my house i i wipe it with a seven pass erase or sometimes a 35 pass erase I actually do that, and then I, I usually take a hammer to the hard drive, too. But, you know, if I'm giving the computer away to somebody, I usually don't take a hammer to it. Um, but a lot of people have said, you know, really, one pass is probably enough. I could see that. I, I mean, could I don't see that, know. too. Uh, I, I think still, if I had something with client data on it, I would just do seven pass anyway. Well, and I'm probably still going to take a hammer to it. Yeah. But for my own stuff, I think one pass is probably just fine. Okay, um, what is our, wait a second, I just screwed up the outline. Hold on here. Okay, uh, uh, we, we got one about returning a Mac. And From George, George, yeah. Yeah, George wrote in, not George Starcher, another George. Uh, but anyway, so he was talking about returning a Mac to his girlfriend's old uh, G5 iMac, and uh, he said they weren't set up to accept old computers. Hmm, well, that's not helpful. Yeah, so he said then he went, they sent him to the Apple website, and there's a, a website, there's a form you can fill out there uh, in the Apple site. I'm going to have to track down where you get this form. I'll put it in the show notes. And then they send you the packaging, and then you send it back to them. Mm. Well, I know, I know that Apple claims that they will recycle your old device, and in some cases, um, you're, you're able to do it in the store. So I, I guess it depends on the store and how they're set up for it. Yeah, I think it really uh, depends. I I contacted a friend that works in an Apple store following receipt of this, and he mm-hmm. said there is some old legacy stuff that they don't, like the tube stuff, he said they didn't know what to do with it. Hmm. So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's worth investigation. There might be an article in that. There might be, and I know a lot of places like here locally, um, our county has a, they call it the Hazardous Waste Collection Center, where you can you can drop off things like CRT monitors and sometimes there's a fee, sometimes not, and paint and and other you know hazardous substances that that they will recycle and dispose of responsibly if you can't get rid of it anywhere else. Yeah, it is a that is a big deal to me though. I think that you know if it's an Apple product, they should have a way to take it back. It sounds like George is saying they do, but it was a little more tedious than he thought. Right. Um, I don't know. I I I want to look into that. I guess I should have before we put it in the show but anyway okay more on geolocation um uh, vlad wrote in and he was talking about uh my rant about reminders i think i've talked about that enough <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know that you know the reminders app doesn't let you put a geofence around a list but only a specific item and he's and basically vlad was saying it gives you more granularity so you can have certain items 
on it and other items not. And I think that the convenience factor, you know, if they made it easier to attach a geofence to an item, I would be more inclined to go with that. Like, it's easy to put a geofence around where you're at currently. But, like, if I want to say Home Depot, which was the example I used when we recorded the show, it, it seems to me like it always takes, you have to get on there with your finger and tap and find it in the address book. And you have to add it to the address book if it's not there. And it, it, it's just not convenient enough. And and we should mention, actually, they have refined the Reminders app a little bit in iOS 6. So it's a little easier to add time and locations to reminders. You don't have to quite click through so many submenus as you used to. Yeah, that was that was another problem that they did fix that. Uh, a lot of people have been interested in this whole academic workflow, and I promise there's a show in there, and, and we're going to touch base on that. But as an alternative to papers and DevonThink and some of these other solutions, um, Will wrote in with an alternative that, that he has enjoyed, and I think I'm pronouncing this right. Is it just called Senate? S-E-N-T-E. Hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, but it's for organizing uh, PDFs and generating bibliographies, and um, it syncs. But there's a iPad app and there's a Mac app, and it, he claims that it's better f- than papers and doesn't require Wi-Fi. So you may want to may want to check that out. Yeah. Um. So, Katie, how do you find us? Well, you can find links to everything that we talked about on our website. That's at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. Yeah. You can also send us email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And we're on Twitter. The show's at MacPowerUsers. I'm at Katie Floyd. David's at Mac Sparky, And I have a feeling Siri will be tweeting for me more frequently. I'm looking forward to seeing that. <laughs> Thanks to our sponsors for today's show, Gazelle. Omni Group and Fujitsu, they help keep the lights on here at the Mac Power Users. And coming up on our next episode, we've got a really interesting workflow uh, with a music video director who, of all things, made an amazing video out of jelly beans. Yeah, so there's this artist, Kina Granis, and she made a video called In Your Arms. I'm going to put it in the show notes so everybody can do their homework and go check it out. Well, Greg made it. Yeah, well, she's the star of it, I guess. And so... So you've seen people make art out of jelly beans, you know, where they take jelly beans and they glue them to a piece of paper and they make an image out of it. Uh, Greg made an entire video with Kina in front of the jelly bean mural behind her that changes with every frame. And they did all of that on a Mac. And it's really amazing. And he's going to come in and tell us how we did it. So I think it's going to be a really fun show. And even if you're not intending to make a jelly bean video, Uh, I think you're going to have a good time listening to this and probably pick up a few cool tips. Right. All right. Well, we will see you next time. 